Amen. Can you guys hear me okay? All right. Yes, that's my Uncle Jim back there. So uh, that was awesome. So glad to be with you guys this morning. Are you guys glad to be here this morning? All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to just share a couple of things. I'm going to let my wife share as well about our ministry. I know that you guys that were connected with you all want to just share what God's doing. But I just want to tell you while we were worshiping and uh, you know, while the Spirit of God was moving, He brought 2 Corinthians 10.3 to my mind. And it says, We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. The strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments, lies, and we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And I just want to encourage you today, it's a different face, a different style of delivery maybe, but let me just tell you, the word of God doesn't return void. And I just, I just kept hearing that word breaker, that he will break off of things. And as my Uncle Jim shared in the Bible study before, he talked about uh, generational strongholds and generational uh, things in the bloodline. And I just want to tell you, I believe that we're going to leave encountering the Lord and leave different. Can I just cast that vision for you as he's just saying, Lord, just change us today. I, I don't want to just get up here and do something that doesn't have a lasting effect. Because it's not me anyways, it's the word. But the word doesn't return void. So open your heart to receive it today, okay? Open your heart to receive. So I'd just like to pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity. I don't take it for granted. I'm not here to promote my agenda. I'm here to see people delivered, saved, healed, and set free. The cycle's broken. And for them to see you as Abba Father and revelation of who they are and the way you see them, God. That's what we desire to see. Do it today. Encounter all of us. I come against any uh, pretensions, uh, any false arguments, anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We have authority to tear it down, and we tear it down right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, no hindrance. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Isn't he good? So uh, my wife's going to talk briefly about our ministry, but I wanted to uh, encourage you to check out the website. And if you go to onefamilyfl.com, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, which I highly recommend you do. And it will just explain, uh, the newsletters will explain what we're doing and what's happening and how God is moving. And also at the back table, there are some books I've been able to write and, and see in my uh Uncle today and, and hearing a little bit of the family legacy, it's just awesome to see how God, uh, what God has done in the family and the, the creativity comes from the creator. But the Lord has downloaded some ideas and so we've written some children's books and a couple other adult books. Please check that out. It just helps us to travel more and to do more and, and share the message God's called us to share. So just encourage you guys um, to just to uh, come talk to us at the table. But this is my beautiful wife of 25 years. This is Sandra. Give her a hand. So um, it, there's the family right there. So if you didn't already know, we have 10 children. And um, I, like to, I, like to, I like to do something. I like to tell everybody their names because I just learned them. Um, but their names are Stephen, Seth, Simon, Silas, Selah, Sophia, Samuel, Solomon, Sarai, and Salome. Which can be very chaotic, you know, in, at home when you're raising your voice and trying to get their attention. You forget what their names are. Uh, but God bless us with them. They're wonderful people. And I also, I want to, um, Sandra's father's here. My father-in-law, Lofty Gerges, is here. Give him a hand. And 
My son Silas, who just left, he, he just graduated from high school, but his girlfriend Allie's here. Just want to welcome her as well. And thank you for coming, Allie. And I have some of my kids here, but not all of them are here, obviously, today. But this woman right here is amazing. People say, how do you do it with 10 kids? It's a simple gesture. I point up to Jesus and over to Sandra. And that's how I do it. And, uh, and also on my knees quite a bit. But uh, I, want, I want to honor her and her share briefly about what the ministry that God's called us to do in this window of opportunity that we have to see an awakening in the body of Christ and in the world. And revival is not coming, it's here. But what she's going to share is a part of a revival that I believe that God is bringing on the earth that you'll read in the last couple verses of the Old Testament, turning the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. He says, or I will strike the earth with a curse. And we've seen the curse of broken families. So give Sandra a big hand. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. In case you haven't heard about what we do, we are missionaries to an unreached, invisible people group. And why are they invisible? Because we don't really know who they are when we see children out and about in our schools or in our churches or in our neighborhoods or at the grocery store because they're unmarked, right? But they have been marked by God and they're God's children, but they come into the foster care system because of abuse neglect, abandonment, or exploitation. And when they go into the foster care system, we need the body of Christ to step up and say yes to them and bring them into their home and let the mission field come live with Christian families and sit at their tables and hear the goodness of the Lord so we can break cycles and we can pray for healing for these precious ones. There's about 850 of them in out-of-home care right now in Volusia County. That's a lot of kids that need Christian families. Amen. But we have this amazing opportunity lately, this last year, the governor initiated a faith and community based initiative where he's asking the church to step in on the levels of prevention and retention. And this is what it looks like. If there's a need in the community where a department of children and families has been called because of maybe, you know, looking into abuse and they go into the home and find out that the kids are actually safe, but it's more of a resource issue. Maybe the kids don't have beds. They're sleeping on floors. There's no couches. Maybe their washing machine, they have no washing machine. So laundry's piled up. And so the kids go to school's not smelling very good, things like that. They'll come in. And instead of removing children in the situations like that, they are calling upon the church. So a need goes into the uh, program, into your, into a software program. And the churches that are part of the network that we're with, they get an email and they say, this neighbor is a half a mile down the street from your church. She just, she's a grandma, just took in three grandkids and she has, she needs beds or she needs groceries or there's a baby and they need a car seat or diapers or whatever it is. And then you, the church get to go to the house of that grandma and bring those items, make face to face contact, pray with her and invite her to your church and invite her children. So it's an awesome evangelistic opportunity where we get to provide physical, tangible needs, but also share the gospel. So that's the prevention side. Amen. You can give God glory for that. So far, we have 17 churches that have signed up in the network with us. And so pray that more and more churches will join because it is an amazing opportunity that we have that is historic. We have never as a church been able to have confidential information about children in foster care. 
That's never been done before, but now we get permission. The parents are giving permission for us to know so we can help them. And the agency, the foster care agency loves it. They love us. They're inviting the churches to come help and they're calling upon us and they're putting needs in and churches are answering the need. Praise God. Amen. So we give God glory for that, but we also help churches to wrap around families who do take in children. So once they do, when they take kids that are removed and they go into a licensed foster home or a relative, then we step in also at that point and do uh, what we call wraparound ministry, where we help the church to show support with meals helping with laundry, helping with transportation, with babysitting and respite care so that that family who took in those kids or that grandmother who took in those kids can do it longer and stronger with the help of the local church. It's an amazing opportunity that we have right now and we get to be a part of that in in our ministry and we just thank God for it. I wanted to tell you guys a couple weeks ago we had a fundraiser dinner. We raised over $60,000 in one night, praise God. And because we're looking to purchase a building, we found a building. Um, and so would you also join us in praying for the rest of the monies for that building? We only need 3 million, but God can do that, right? You guys are laughing, but do you guys have faith to believe that God can provide that? We need it because We need to house our offices there. We want to increase our training. We do a lot of things online that we want to do in person. We want to be able to do pre-foster care training and post-adoption training. We want to be able to invite people to our space to have counseling services. And we want to see families healed. Amen. So join us in believing for that. I can't wait till we come back next time to tell you that we've secured that building and the three million came in and that we're debt free because that's what we're believing for. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. Please pray. There is a family revival that's taking place and we believe if you heal the family, you heal the community. And that's what we're seeing. Our name, One Family, really refers to the power of one family who will take in a child through a foster care or adoption. It means the power of the church as one family. You know, those 17 churches um, are unifying over these children. And if you try to get those 17 churches together in a room to unify over something, how many of you know that might take an act of Congress, right? Not even, right? To unify over theology or to unify over style or to unify over how they do things. But we can unify over Matthew 25. The least of these, the orphan, the widow, in their time of need, James 1.27. So we're seeing God command his blessing over the unity of the local church that's working together. And they don't even realize they're working together. 17 churches is going to turn into 50 churches. And 50 churches is going to turn into 100 churches. And we will have an absolute revolution of the foster care system. Because the church stepped up and did what they should have been doing all along. Amen? And they're doing it. And you guys are a part of it as you pray, as you connect with what's, what God's doing. Every, everybody can play a role. Not everybody does the same thing. And how many of you know, not everybody in this room is called to adopt 10 children. Just say, thank you, Lord. But everybody in this room is called to do something. We don't do the same thing, but we do something. Ask yourself what that something is today. I want you guys to go to Romans 8.19. Romans 8.19 today. Romans 8, 19. Has anyone ever been to Waffle House? We'll be done before they close. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Thank you, Lord. Pastor, uh, uh, Uncle Jim, you'll get that later on, I think. 
my humor is from you, right? Praise the Lord. <laughs> for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. All creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Say children of God. Children of God, that means He is our, He's our Father, we're His children. That's called a family. When God created the, the first family in the garden, it didn't take long for that snake, the devil, to slither his way in to divide that family. He's been doing that ever since. How many of you know that when Lucifer was an archangel, he was in, the, in heaven in the family of God and was removed from heaven and isolated, and rejected, and put by himself. In fact, he felt probably the feelings of what an orphan feels. The first one to feel those feelings of abandonment and rejection and being alone. And then came anger and, um, and depression and fear and anxiety and all the other emotions that come from the orphan spirit. And he's been projecting his orphan spirit on us ever since. But can I come to tell you this morning... That you have a father that loves you and you are his children. And when you walk out those doors, all creation's waiting for you to be revealed as a child of God, not as an orphan. Can I hear an amen? amen. There is a real orphan spirit. A orphan doesn't know who their father is. And in the Old Testament, in Malachi, it says that the spirit of Elijah will come and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. What the enemy does, what the father of lies does... Is, is he turns you away from the father and he wants you to feel like him as an orphan. Now the word adoption, um, all 10 of our kids are adopted and it's an incredible experience to go through the process of adoption. It's, it's amazing when you get to go to court. A lot of people, when they have to go to court, like my uncle was saying earlier, it's not always a fun experience if you have to go to court. But when you go to court for adoption, it's a powerful experience. And it's really a symbol of what happens in the spirit. But the word adoption is the word, it's two words. It's add and option. It's the option to add somebody to your family. God opted, God chose to add you. And if you have received the spirit of adoption, you're adopted and it's done. And when we adopt children, the, you have to prove that you can take care of that child. You have to jump through a bunch of hoops and a price has to be paid. And once that price is paid, the gavel goes down and the judge, almost in every single adoption case that we've had, says this. This is now your child as if naturally born to you. Powerful. Because when the gavel went down in your life, when you received Jesus, the gavel went down and said, you're now part of God's family. You're his. Add option. The option to add you. Yes. He says yes to you. And how many of you know his yes for you is everything? Because it's eternity. And your yes for somebody else will change their life. There's something powerful about your yes. Now, kids are removed because of abuse and neglect and abandonment. And what will happen is the biological parent will get chances, will get a case plan to be able to get their children back. But if they don't follow the case plan, eventually the judge can do something we call TPR. It's a termination 
of parental rights. It's a very sad thing. It's not something they rush to do. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like they really even take too long sometimes to do it because they'll give a parent one and two and three years sometimes to do their case plan that they're not doing because they're still addicted and they still have problems and we need to pray for the biological family. They're not the enemy. They need Jesus just as much. And we're seeing bio parents get mentored by people in local churches and come back to church. And I have seen situations where the foster family invited the bio parent to come to church and they all came forward with the children and got saved and, and got touched by God. So God's touching them. But when they do get TPR'd, when the uh, parental rights is terminated... Now, that child is a ward of the state. Somebody has to come along and say yes to that child and take that child in. And when you pay, when, when that child is adoptable and you jump through all those hoops and you go to court, after you go to court, a new birth certificate comes in the mail. Now, most of my children, they have two birth certificates. The one they had at birth, and then the one they got after they were adopted. Now, when we adopted little ones as babies, they only had one. But some of them have two. We all here have two. Because we were born into sin. And the Bible says that there is a father called the father of lies. And because of sin, we were born into that. And our father, through sin, is the father of lies. But let me tell you something. He got TPR'd. On the, when Jesus died on the cross, he was TPR'd. So his parental rights got terminated. Because when, 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 when God would look at the birth certificate, he would see. Because you're usually most people are identified on their birth certificate. By whose last name? Their, their fathers. But the father of lies, his, his birth, or, he, uh, he was uh, TPR'd. His parental rights were terminated. He's not our father. We're, we are not defined by just being sinners. No, we're not sinners. We are children of God. Why? Because all creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's good stuff, right? This is revelation for you. You're going to leave change. You're going to leave because the word of God is encountering you. And all creation's waiting for you to receive this completely so we can go out there as confident children of God and change the world. Amen. Amen? Amen? But when you get a new birth certificate, you're identified by your adoptive father's last name. And the old birth certificate, which was an actual uh, legal document. In fact, I have one right here. A legal document, or do I? I thought I did. From the state of Texas is the one I have of my son, uh, Seth. Here it is. From the state of Texas, a legal document now no longer works. It's null and void because there's been a new birth certificate given. But TPR had to take place first. Now, I believe... We're about to celebrate Father's Day, and it's it's not a very popular holiday, unfortunately, because a lot of you know, not a lot of fathers have been what they needed to be in our lives. Some of you are blessed to have a good father. Some of you didn't have a father at all. Some of you had a father that was abusive, maybe, and it really can affect you because we often will see God 
through the way our earthly father acted and treated us. Which isn't, we shouldn't do that, but we do that. We have a tendency to do it. So we have to see him for who he really is. But I believe the most important role of a father is not just to provide, not to just teach, not to just protect you, but it's to affirm. Everybody say affirm. So if you think about if your father did everything for you, provided a brand new car for you, protected you, even taught you some wisdom, but never said, I'm proud of you and I love you. I was talking to a guy one time. He was older than me. And I shared a message like this. And he came up to me. He was older than me. And he's in tears. He said, I've never had a father say what you said here. Would you be my father? And it was awkward because I'm younger than him. He goes, I have a lot of money. I've, I've had businesses. I've made millions And I would pay millions of dollars to hear my dad say those words. I'm proud of you. Affirmation. We need to know who we are. One of the words for fatherless, or one of the definitions actually for fatherless, is without a known author. Without someone to write your story. How many of you know, fathers... They write our stories, and some of our stories didn't start out really good. Have you ever watched a movie and it didn't start out well, but it ended really good? Let me tell you, when you get a revelation of your Heavenly Father, He's going to finish the story. Because He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's going to finish the story, and the story is going to be great as you see who you are through Him. So, briefly, I want to share about these two fathers. That we see in the Bible. John 8, 44. You belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Isn't that wild? He is the father of lies. Can I tell you something? If you're believing something that's not in here... You're believing a lie. While we were in worship, I just felt like the Lord speak to me. As I read that scripture in 2 Corinthians of breaking strongholds down, I felt like that there's strongholds, as my uncle mentioned earlier, of poverty. And that, that God's going to break off the spirit of poverty over people's lives. Um, break off um, the wrong self-image that we have of ourselves. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. What if you hate yourself? Yeah. How can you hate yourself? You're God's creation. You're valuable and special. But a lot of people don't feel valuable. I was at a church one time in Sanford. And it was an amazing service. It was about three hours long. They had an hour of healing prayer rooms before the service. Like an hour of worship. I mean, it was just this glorious, incredible experience. And I come out of there. And I'm in in the uh like the outside of the church waiting for sandra to pick up the kids and I'm, there's a lady standing there she's probably her mid-30s and she's holding a bible and she just strikes up a conversation and she asks me where we're from and we start talking and she said what do you do and i tell her what we do but i also tell her i preach about the orphan spirit and she said what's the orphan spirit and then we start talking and she didn't understand what i was saying and she had been saved for 15 years she went to this incredible church she's holding a bible And I asked her this question. I said, well, let me ask you, how valuable do you think you are on a scale of 1 to 10? I said, 10 would say that I am confident as a child of God and who God made me to be. 
I'm his child. One, I'm worthless. I'm nothing. And I'll never amount to anything. She goes, oh, that's easy. I'm a negative five. I'm a negative five. You're holding a Bible that tells you the opposite. You're in an incredible church. You've been saved for 15 years. And when I asked her why she felt like she was a negative five, she began to tell me about her father and what her father did to her. Can I tell you something? That snake, the enemy, he wants you to feel like a negative five. You know why? Because he's the father of? Can I tell you what you are, everybody in this room? You're a 10. Well, I mess up. I make mistakes. You're a 10. How, how can I tell you you're a 10? Because it's not your performance that makes you a 10. It's Jesus' performance on the cross. If it was our performance, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Because we have ups and downs, good days and bad days. But because of what Jesus did, TPR in the devil, termination of parental rights, you are a child of God. And when you walk out the door, all creation's waiting for you to be revealed. Not as a one, not as a five, not as a negative five, not even as a nine and a half, but as a ten. As a 10, you're a 10. Look at your neighbor. You're a 10. Am I really that valuable? When you look in the mirror, I don't feel valuable. Well, guess what? You are valuable. You are valuable. You are valuable. Are you hearing me? You are valuable. I I mess up. I make mistakes. Well, thank God your value has nothing to do with you. Let me tell you why. Something's worth what someone's willing to pay. In order to have the option to add, a price has to be paid. Every adoption that's legal costs something. Some adoptions privately can be twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. I've seen adoptions overseas be over a hundred thousand dollars. When you adopt through foster care, the state pays that fee. It's thousands of dollars to adopt. It's always bugged me. That is $40,000 to adopt and five hundred to have an abortion. I think it should be the other way around, don't you think? <laughs> I do. But it bothers me that it costs so much. But let me tell you something. If it didn't cost something, it probably wouldn't be legal. If an adoption is free, it's not legal. A price has to be paid. All the way back to Roman times, when a child was adopted, a price had to be paid. Something's worth what someone's willing to pay. What was the price paid for your salvation? What was the price paid for you to get back into the family of God? What was the price paid for the devil to be TPR'd? What was it? Was it a hundred dollars? Was it a thousand? Was it a million? No, it was the death of our Savior on the cross and he didn't deserve it. It was the most, it was the most horrific way to die. The word excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. It wasn't painful. It was excruciating. It was humiliating. He did that to purchase you. You're a 10. Never again will you deal with this low self-worth. Now, I'll explain something really quick. Self-image and self-esteem can be different. If you work really hard and get your doctorate degree, or you accomplish something great, he, you know, somebody can applaud you, pat you on the back, and you can have some self-esteem that I did something. That I did something. I, in ministry, you don't always see the fruit of your labor. So I tell my wife, that's why I like to mow my, my lawn. Plus, I have a big riding lawnmower. And I can look back and say, I just did that. Or have you ever painted a room? And you went, I just did that. That's, just, that's self-esteem. That's something you've accomplished. But your self-image 
is who God says you are. Has nothing to do with your performance. You should feel good about yourself if you accomplish something. But let me tell you something. When you wake up in the morning, the devil shoves the old birth certificate in your face. You can tell him that that thing is null and void. It doesn't work anymore. Can I hear an amen? Because you're a child of God and all creation's waiting for you to be revealed. And can I tell you something? If you love your neighbor as yourself and you know you're a child of God, it will change every relationship. How many of us are insecure? How many of us do people walk on eggshells around us are easily triggered and we just snap at people? Come on now. That's not a child of God. That's an orphan. And I'm talking to myself. You can ask my wife. God has been taking me through a process of that, of knowing that my father loves me and affirms me as his son. Can I hear an amen? What the father of lies tells you is you're worthless, you're nothing. God can never love you. God can never use you. You've gone too far in your sin. You're unlovable. You'll never be healed. You'll never be free. And you should just die. I'm going to tell you guys in the back. I'm kind of moving around. So you can just go to the title slide for now. uh, Because I'm going a different route. Until I get to this next verse here. That's what the father of lies tells you. I want to break that off in the name of Jesus today. Over all of our lives. Because if we go back to our families, back to our homes, back to our places of business, as confident children of God, knowing our value comes from Him, and knowing that we don't need from anybody else who He already is. Because I used to come down the stairs in the morning and need my children to act a certain way for me to be happy and have joy. And when you have ten of them, the chances of that happening, of them being perfect all the time, is very low. And so I found my joy from other people. If you find your joy from circumstances, if you find your joy from how big your bank account is or how your boss treats you or your coworkers treat you, you're going to be miserable all the time. There's a great freeing uh, way to live. It's called staying unoffended. In this day and age, we can be offended and victims of anything, right? No, I'm going to stay unoffended. I'm not going to let you steal my joy because I know who I am. I've been affirmed as a son. And all I care about is what he says about me, not what you say about me. So I don't need you to bring me joy because he's the one who brings me joy. One day I was dealing with this. So I was so upset and I said, Lord, I am lying to people when they ask me, how are you doing? Good. I'm lying to them. I'm not doing good. I had a situation going on in our home. I was depressed. I was upset. I was angry. I felt like a victim. I was just, I was a mess. I said, Lord, I'm lying to them. How are you doing, Stephen? Good? Yeah. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I'm good. And you're lying, man. Or they go, or Pastor Ramona goes, how are you doing, Stephen? Let me just tell you. Has anyone ever done that to you and just dump on you and she's just trying to say hello? She had things to do. She didn't want to sit there for an hour and me just tell her, well, let me just tell you. My kids, when all this is happening, okay, you know? The Lord's, I said, Lord, I'm lying to them. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, am I good? I said, yes, Lord. He said, am I inside of you? I said, yes. He said, you're good. Yeah, but this about, and he cuts me out. You're good because you don't need them or that situation to change for you to be good because I'm good and I'm inside of you. You're good. Some of you right now are looking for a job. You don't have a job. Things are not looking well financially. You're good. You're good because he's in you and he'll take care of it because he's your father. You're not an orphan. You don't have to try to figure it out on your own. You're good. Can I hear an amen? You're good. Now go to James 1.17. 
I'm almost done here. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What does God say about you? He says you're valuable, you're loved. God will never stop loving you. God will use you, God will forgive you, God has a plan for you. You will live and not die, and you will declare the works of the Lord. You are valuable, you are a son, and you are a daughter. And can I tell you, every good and perfect gift comes from him, and people say God is good. There are people who don't believe that. How is God good if he allowed this? How is God good if he allowed that? Can I tell you something? There's a theology that is preached that every single minute, solitary thing that happens in the universe was an absolute preordained plan of God. And they call it sovereignty. Can I tell you something? We have an enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And just because something happens doesn't, want, doesn't mean it was part of God's perfect plan. There's things that may happen that he had no intention of happening. He did not want to happen. It has love and compassion for you and your situation. But it was the thief that did it. He's not a thief. God took my baby. No, he doesn't take your baby. He's not a thief. He received your child, but he didn't steal. Can I tell you something? Some of us need to be set free of being angry with God for doing something he never did. The devil did it. The devil hatched it up. The father of lies put that scheme together. And, and there's three people we have to have unforgive, uh, get healed from unforgiveness from. One is others. Two is ourselves. And three is God. We need to not hold unforgiveness towards God. Because a lot of times we'll blame him for something he never did. He's a good God. So get free from that mindset. He didn't do it. The enemy did it. And we're going to go back to the Father and we're going to trust him through the process of what he's doing in our hearts through the grief and through the pain. Don't blame him for something he didn't do. Amen? So I really went a different direction, and there's more, much more, but I just felt like that's what I needed to share today and to pray over you guys, that there would be a, a release of the spirit of adoption over this house and that all creation's waiting for us to be revealed as children. Not slaves, not orphans, but sons and daughters. That's my message. That's my heart. I can't change a subject. In 2016, I got a prophetic word over my life that there would be a breaker anointing to break the orphan spirit. And the breaker, the breaker anointing isn't me. It's not a gifting. But the breaker anointing is Jesus. When Jesus walked into a room, things were broken off. In an instant. It didn't take 50 counseling sessions. It was this. Simon, you are now Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. Daughter, where are your accusers? Come on now. It is finished. The breaker is Jesus. I'm not the breaker. But how many of you want the breaker to break things off of you that you've allowed to attach to your life? If you empower if you believe a lie, you empower the liar. I like to, and I'm going to close with this, but I like to use this symbolism of cell phone towers. So over on this side of the stage is a cell phone tower. 
And on that side of the stage is the cell phone tower. If you've got your cell phone, whatever tower you're closer to is the one that is going to be able to connect to to your phone. Am I correct? So whatever you're closer to, it'll ping. So if you're close to the father of lies, you begin to entertain those lies. You're worthless. You're nothing. You know, you remember what your dad said about you. Remember that ex-husband, that ex-wife, you know, even your own children have rejected you. You know, your boss said this about you. You know, you've just messed up here. You got fired there. You're nothing. You're worthless. You know, you're, you're listening to this. You're connected to this tower. If you shift over from the father of lies to the father of lights, listen, son, you're going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide. Listen, daughter, you're precious. You're viable to me. Don't listen to what those people say. Listen to what I say. And can I tell you something? The cell phone tower is right here. And for many of us, it's collecting dust on our shelves. Open the cell phone tower and find out who you really are. The message is coming from God. This is his message to you that you're loved, that you're valuable, that you're precious, that there's a calling, there's a purpose. And can I say, can I say this? I've heard this many times when I go to churches that have older congregations. We're an older congregation and we can't, you know, we're, you know, we probably won't have a lot of foster families or we don't do, we, for whatever reason, can I tell you something? I, older congregations are part of the army, the last day's army of God. God is not done with you yet. Until you stand before him in glory, you got a job to do. You don't retire from the ministry and you're not in the ministry. If you're not on the, you know, you don't have to be on the, on the stage to be in the ministry. All creation's waiting for the children of God to be real. See, when you go to a restaurant, you're in the ministry. When you give that bigger tip and you say, Jesus loves you, how can I pray for you? To the waiter or the wait staff there, you're in the ministry. You don't retire from that. God isn't done with you yet. We don't all do the same thing, but we should all do something. And we are called to, uh, to reveal ourselves to this world as God's children. Because when you see a child... People know the hoax and they know who their parents are. Oh, you're one of the hoax. You're one of the hoax. I've had people walk up to me. Oh, you're William's son. Right? Oh, I, I know what family. Oh, you, you're a Martha's. By the way, I was so, I just loved you worshiping up there, Uncle Jim, because I see my mom. My mom is his sister and I just see my mom in you and it just blesses me. She passed away in 2010, but, um, we should reveal who God is with everything we do. Everything we do, we should be pointing to Jesus, pointing to God, saying, Let me show you who my Father is. Isn't that amazing? Stop believing the lie. So, I want to close with this. I don't, do you think you can come up and play, Uncle Jim? Is that okay if he played softly? That'd be great. And then we'll be done. Isn't this good? This is revelation that I believe the Lord's doing in these last days. Turning the hearts of the children, us, to him, the Father. Isn't that amazing? Many, many years ago, at the church I used to be on staff at, Calvary up in Norman, the pastor, Pastor Jim Rayleigh, had two daughters. Well, he still does. Has two daughters. And one of them was about four years old. Now, at, at Calvary, they have the church, but they also had a school and a preschool, similar to here, right? And they had, you know, the pastor, essentially the boss over the whole complex. And his daughter was this really strong-willed um, young lady. 
She was awesome. She was a lot like him. She just spoke her mind. She was not passive or shy in any way. And four years old, she's in her preschool class one day. And there's a bunch of kids, and they're walking down the hall with the teacher, and she's trying to get the teacher's attention. I think she had to use the bathroom. The teacher was in a conversation with another lady and wasn't listening to this little girl, the senior pastor's daughter. And so she would say, she was so funny, she would just call her teacher. She would go, she had a, like a southern accent. She would say, hey, teacher. Teacher. She just called her teacher. Hey, teacher. And she wasn't listening to her. And finally she got closer and she's saying, teacher. She's not listening to me. She gets right up to her, interrupts the conversation, pulls on her sleeve. And she says, do you know who my daddy is? At four years old, she knew enough that she could pull the dad card if she had to. She knew her dad was that lady's boss. And if you're not listening to me, I'm going to let my dad know. Now, does that little four-year-old really on her own have any authority to go to the teacher like that? No, but she knew who her dad was. I wrote down earlier during worship, I wanted to see God break people free from poverty, from self-image, health issues. There's some generational health issues that can be broken. I'm going to tell you, my mom and my dad dealt with that poverty spirit early on. I remember it. He went, they went to Winter Park and was a part of Calvary Assembly and the Jesus People Movement and learned something called spiritual warfare. You know, guys, if somebody busts into your house, Pastor Louie, you'll get between them in your family, right? For me, I'm not, I'm not a pretty fighter. I'll bite them. I'll gouge your eyes out. I'll pull their hair. I'll scream like a girl. I'll get. I'll just get between them and my family. And my dad realized, you know, there's doors we've had open in our family. We're shutting them. And you actually have the authority to look at the enemy and say no and say, do you know who my dad is? Some of you are dealing with a health issue, a doctor's report. You can say, do you know who my dad is? Because that doctor's report will shift you through fear over to this tower. And the enemy will say, see, sorry, God's not going to heal you. And it's not real. Healing's not for today. And he'll try to put that on you. He's the father of lies. But you shift over here and you say, well, hold on, devil. Do you know who my dad is? He's the God who heals and delivers and saves and set free. And I'm believing, I'm trusting that I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? Also, I felt like God was going to set people free from trauma or abuse that you've had in your life that still hangs over you. Shame that hangs over you. The breaker wants to break it off once and for all. You know why I know that? If the sun sets you free, you are truly free. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So if you're not free, there is a lie, at least one that you're believing. And I'm talking to myself. I don't come at you with a self-righteous attitude. If I'm not free in an area, there's a lie that I've held on to. I've allowed that thing to get attached to my life. And that's why 2 Corinthians 10 says to tear them down. You have the authority to tear that lie out of your life and say no more. Not just for you, but for your children and your children's children. There are generational strongholds of belief. Nobody in our family ever went to college. Nobody in our family is ever going to work indoors or always going to work with their hands outside or whatever the mindset is. Or no one in our family ever had enough money. Or everybody in our family was always in debt. 
Everybody in our family is sick. What does the doctor say when you go to the doctor? Tell me about the, the hereditary background, you know, your, your, your parents. You know, in my family, you know, you know this, that blood cancer has been all through that side of the family. My mom had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Both my uncles had a form of that lymphoma. My Aunt Mary had leukemia. My sister had a form of lymphoma. And I remember one day when we made that decision, where we stopped and we said, no. In fact, my sister's doctor told her that if you have a brother, you need to get him in here because it's more susceptible. And the doctor says, it's in your family line. You need to get your brother in here. I remember standing there with my, my wife and saying, no, not for me. I said no to it because you got to know who my dad is. You can break that stuff. You can look back at your generational line and not accept it. You don't have to accept it. We have authority to say no. Why? Because we're children of God. And all creation's waiting for the confident, loved children of God to be revealed. Do you know who your dad is? He's not the father of lies. And we take that birth certificate and the old one and we tear it up and throw it in the trash. Some of you right now, as you close your eyes, the Lord is reversing the curse of the lies of the enemy over you of what you've believed about yourself. I hear the word trash. That you have felt like trash and shameful. And the Lord is turning you, especially uh, the ladies, healing your hearts that you are a loved princess of the King. He's healing you. All those words that were spoken of you are canceled in the name of Jesus. They're canceled. I hear the words heart disease. And maybe in a physical sense, but also in a trauma sense. He's healing your heart, your broken, wounded heart. You're going to walk out with a new heart. That's scriptural. He said, I'll give you a new heart. Your heart of stone will be called, will now be a heart of flesh. He's healing your heart right now, in Jesus' name. Receive it. Receive it. Eyes closed. Even lift your hands. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Those words that were spoken over you, that were stamped on your forehead, are being removed. God's supernatural tattoo removal process is taking that label off of your head. You are a child of the King. I just speak as the Lord leads me. I, hear, I heard the term redheaded stepchild. If you ever heard that term, some of you felt that way. You felt the black sheep, like you were the black sheep. You were the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> and that's being healed today. You are a son and a daughter of the King. You are a son and a daughter of the King. So, Father, I just declare, TPR has been done. The gavel has gone down, and they are your children. They are your children. In Jesus' name. Now, I want you to look at me. When our kids were old enough to understand, I would sit them down and say, the judge is allowing us to adopt you. Do you want to be a part of our family? Stephen remembers that. He, he was old enough to remember when we sat him down. Do you want to be a part? Sophia and Solomon remember that. They had to say yes for us. We didn't want to force that on them. You 
have to say yes to be grafted into the family of God. You have to receive the spirit of adoption. And the enemy will lie to you and say, you're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of adoption. A lot of orphans are repelled by love. It hurts them because they don't feel worthy of love. You, you are because he made you worthy. He chose you. He added you. He opted to add you. Receive it. So with your eyes closed again, repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for me to be adopted by the Father into the family of God. I receive that adoption. I know that I am grafted in. I know that I am now a child of God. I know the truth and the truth has made me free. I am a child of God, a part of your family. I'm not rejected. I'm not abandoned. I'm not a loser. I'm a child of God. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you receive it today? As Pastor Louis comes up, do you receive it today? Do you receive it today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Give God some praise, huh? We're going to close here in a moment, but what I want to do is I want to pray for them. Please don't forget their book table out here. They'll be standing around until it gets done. If you guys would just stand here. As a, as a father of a foster child myself, Father, I thank you for what Stephen and Sandra are doing. And Father, what I do is I speak into them now your strength, your healing, your power. Father, as they continue this journey, Father, that you would give them strength and anointing to move forward, that it would break all the yokes, oh Father. And you tell us that your yoke is easy, your burden is light. So Father, we agree with that right now. We speak that into them right now. We decree and declare it over their ministry, over their marriage over their lives, oh Father, over their finances. And Father, I see the open doors of the building that you've already got. I see the doors that are open, Father, and I see people coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. But one thing I've seen for certain is that when they go in, they go in one way, but when they come out, they're changed. Father, Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So let's give the entire Hope family some praise, huh? Boys and girls here, thank you. God bless you guys. And uh, come back and see them here at the table. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Hello, this is Pastor Louie. I hope you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 1030 each Sunday morning, and we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at thelivingcornerstone.org. Be blessed.